Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. Carly R. And Eric B. And today we are joined by our very special guest, Alan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So where are you from, Alan? So I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm a native. I've grown up here and I'm still here. I'm 35 and never, never, I left for a little bit, but never wanted to leave for good. Nice. See, uh, like you said memoirs and like in my mind, I was like, oh, this is an older lady. But then you just said 35. So I was like, oh, okay. well, I I don't know. I'm 33 and I I can't fathom writing my memoirs. (laughs) Some people also think Ellen is like a grandma name. Oh, you never know. Oh, I didn't think that. You know, I've met I've met a couple Ellen's that are my age, but most of them are a little bit older. All right. It's just memoirs threw me but off. But I'm an old soul. It's okay. And only me? No? Memoirs? Okay. No. No, they're looking at me like I have three heads. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so when were you first introduced to recovery, Alan? Guys are jerks. When did I way. first <laughs> get into recovery? When were you first introduced to recovery? Um. So I was first introduced when I was about... 23, 24, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't stick because I was doing it for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, my first introduction to AA was with an ex-boyfriend, and he was doing it because um, he was on parole, so he had to wear, like, the little um, the anklet. The wrist thing that, oh, okay. could, yeah, that could tell if he drank or not. Um, and so he actually never drank, like, in our relationship, we never drank together, but um, I obviously was drinking a lot, not understanding what it's like to be the person trying to stay sober <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in a relationship with someone drinking. But so he asked me to go with him to a few meetings, and um, it got to the point where he said, try to go to 30 meetings in 30 days. Um, and I did that, but I, I just was like, I don't have a problem here. This is, you know, I'm just doing this for him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I don't want him to break up with me. So I'll try it out and see what goes on. Um, so that obviously didn't stick. Um, so I had another several years of drinking and then, um, my actual recovery, birthday or sobriety date is um january 12th 2017 it's the last day i had a drink um so this recent time um i did go to a rehab facility and actually did the work for myself um and that was the biggest difference was i was doing it for me and not anybody else oh awesome and you answered my last question which was how long you've been clean and you said january 2017 yep Awesome. Yeah, so coming up on four years. Fantastic. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to thank you first for having me today. Um, I love being on podcasts and I love being featured. So um, like I said, I'm Ellen and I'm a Colorado Springs native. So born and raised here in Colorado. Um, I had totally normal upbringing, um, nothing, you know, no traumatic incidences or anything like that. Um, 
I was a total tomboy. I hung out with my brother all the time. He's two and a half years older than me. Um, so I just wanted to do everything he did. I kind of idolized him. Um, and, you know, in, uh, in school, I was always straight A student. Um, I was in band. I played sports. I pretty much did all the things, mm-hmm. checked off all the things that you need. Um, and then, you know, I partied a couple times in high school, but not really. I was pretty, like, naive and prude and didn't really do, like, parties. Um, the, the thing that really got me into my addictions was um, my first boyfriend that I met when I was 17. Mm. Um, he introduced me to meth, amphetamine. So Whoa. I kind of started with... I know. I started hardcore. <laughs> yeah, that, that that jumped up a notch really quick. Yep, yep, real real fast. I um, uh, I as you can see, tell there's a pattern, and I tried. I went through um, several relationships where I changed myself completely um, and tried to be whatever they wanted me to be, mm-hmm. um, and so that obviously is something that I'm working through now in sobriety. But, mm-hmm. um, so this guy, yeah, got me into meth. Um, and I didn't know he was a dr- like we met at Catholic church. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the, what? Gotta watch out what for those Catholics. Expect. Yeah. Those Catholic God, meth heads, you know, <laughs> come out of nowhere. <laughs> they do sneak up on you. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I I was this goody two-shoes and had never really done anything wrong. And, like, the the first time I ever did it was the night before my senior prom. Um, and he, I think, I mean, I was so naive. Like, I literally was just, think of the stereotypical, like, goody two-shoes high school girl. Like, that was me. <laughs> um, and then... I met this guy and I fell in love with him and thought that like you do everything that they want you, that he wants you to do for love. I don't know. Oof. I don't know. I just obeyed, you know? Um, so anyway, I think he, I think he was already into it. Um, like I just didn't know. Um, yeah. but he, he just, you know, pulled out a little baggie and was like, oh, do you want to try this with me? And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's just meth. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, that we, um, I did that the first time the night before my senior prom. Um, and so the senior prom was pretty dumb because I was so tired because I hadn't slept the entire night before and all I wanted to do was go home and sleep. <laughs> Sounds about so, right. And that was a bust. Um, but um, yeah, so my story starts with drugs instead of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in this relationship and he was incredibly controlling and manipulative. And since he was my first love, I kind of just thought everything was normal, thought everything I was doing was normal and just wanted him to like me and love me and stay with me. And so I did whatever he wanted. Um, so I did move to Denver for, um, like my freshman and sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't partying very hard yet 
because he didn't want me to party when he wasn't there. So of course I didn't like do anything during the weeks. We had this tact that like we wouldn't do anything without each other, which was made me totally lame. Um, and like, I don't think he really stuck to it, but I did. I didn't drink during the week without him. I didn't go to parties without him. I didn't do anything whatsoever. Um, and so I'm just, trying to live a regular college life, um, which I wasn't really doing at all because um, I, I wasn't doing anything. Like I was, I just felt like I wasn't allowed to, um, but like it wasn't really out of control um, until um, my sophomore year of college. Um, the relationship was just getting worse and we did start doing mess like every day. Um, mm-hmm. So that doesn't make any relationship better. <laughs> um, and yeah, that generally doesn't go hand in hand with healthy yeah, relationships. That, that doesn't help anything at all. Um, but still I thought that he was like the one and the, you know, I, I was at this point thinking maybe like, maybe I probably shouldn't be doing meth, but also at the same time, I liked it. And, um, of course, I feel like I've always been an addict. Like I was born with the gene. So, you know, I just kept going. Um, and I, I didn't want to break up with him cause he was my source essentially. Um, Ooh. so we continued our relationship, um, for three and a half years. It, turned out that I ended up moving to Cincinnati for him um, because he got a job out there and I just followed him. um, And that led me to crack and cocaine because apparently meth wasn't a big thing out there at the time. Um, So I kind of switched drugs of choice at that time. And this just um, completely, uh, I was not able to function as well um, on those drugs. So I was like failing out of school and everything was falling apart. Um, I finally was able to get out of that relationship and move back to Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of quit since I was no longer with him. I just quit doing drugs cold turkey. Um, he was basically wow. like the person who got me into it and was like my source and everything. Um, and once he was gone, I was just like done with it. Um, I have absolutely no idea really how I did that. It's crazy when I look back on it. Um, but I, so now I'm 21. Um, and so I just did replace it with, um, alcohol basically. So, I mean, I guess that kind of made it easier, but, um, I, yeah, like, I don't even know how to, like, light my own bowls or anything. Like, he did everything for me because he was so controlling. So, I'm, like, the most naive drug addict in the world. It's ridiculous. So, um, Wow. From there, <laughs> yeah. You were not even a functioning man. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just let him control me in every way. Um, and it was obviously just not a good relationship and not a good way to 
or my college career, but um, it's, I learned a lot from it. I try not to live with regrets for it, you know. Um, I did end up getting back into school in Colorado Springs, um, and life was way more manageable. You know, I wasn't on drugs anymore. Um, I was just drinking every day. So I felt that I missed out on my college life completely mm. um, because, you know, I didn't get to go to the parties or um, do any of the fun things that you do in college because he didn't want me to unless he was with me. Um, and so I think I kind of made up for it with my drinking. Um, so I would, I would go out like five nights a week drinking. Um, and so I became the party girl that way. Mm. Um, and it was just normal for me, I guess. Um, to me, it was normal to drink every day. And it, I guess I just didn't have, I don't have the button where I can stop, you know, mm-hmm. once I start, I just continue drinking. So like it's nor. I was talking to my mom the other day um, and she was like, well, but I also think it's, I'm, I drink every day at five and I'm like, yeah, mom, but you have one drink. <laughs> like, um, you don't drink from the time you start drinking until the time you pass out. Like it, I take it to the next level and, you know, just drink from 5 PM till I can't stand up anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but so yeah, my twenties were basically drinking. Um, it, I didn't think so obviously like there was that relationship I talked about where he took me to AA um, Mm -hmm. because he, he thought I was drinking enough to need it. But at that time I was like, no way there's, you know, I'm not homeless. I'm not losing jobs. I'm not getting DUIs. There's no issue here. Like I just am having a good time and this is what you're supposed to do in your twenties. And so I just continued with that mindset, I guess. Um, and all of my social social circles were, you know, drinking, obviously. Um, my brother drank a lot. We hung out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And since we grew up together as such good friends, I still, you know, wanted to do everything he did. I always wanted to, like, drink, drink for drinks with him. And he's, like, six, five, you know, 220 pounds and I'm 5'9", 130. I'm trying to take shots the way he does. It's ridiculous, but um, it always had to be the same, you know, equal. It was like if he was drinking, I always wanted to keep up with the guys for whatever reason. Um, But um, it got to the point, so I was, I drank every day, but I I don't think it was like blackout drinking or getting wasted drinking every day. It was just, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'd go to sleep. Um, When I moved in with my now husband, so we've been together for, um, I just had my friend anniversary or whatever with him on Facebook. (laughs) You liked liked him for the first time or whatever. Um, 11 years. Um, Wow. 
but yeah, so we've, we've been together 11 years, but married for five. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I moved in with him, um, that's when I started hiding vodka in the closet because I needed, I just needed more mm-hmm. um, than normal to get through a regular, like I would still just start drinking at five, but I needed so much more to get to that comfortable place that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of knew at that point, like most people probably don't hide vodka in closets. No, the old closet vodka is a pretty, it's a common amongst us people. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, no closet vodka. Okay, <laughs> not with these two. <laughs> I liked it, um, <laughs> but I I just wasn't you know I wasn't ready to to accept that you mm-hmm. know I have an issue drinking. Um, so I continued just drinking pretty heavily until. Um, I was, I think, 32. So I don't feel, I mean, I feel like I had several kind of rock bottoms. There were, it it was getting to the point where, um, like, the fun Ellen turned into the violent, rageful, um, drunk, blackout Ellen who wanted to just, like, beat up people. and That sounds like Carly. Hurt other people, yeah. <laughs> No, am I, I wrong? Try to. You're not a punchy drunk. No. Really? R- really? Huh. Okay, that's fair. Sorry. Continue, Ellen. I would punch walls a lot. Um, yeah, I did do that. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. There's drunk Carly. Um. There's drunk Carly. I walls and slam doors. Um. I was very violent towards. Um, loved ones. Um, mm. So it, there were several incidences where it was just like, oh my God, you need to calm down. <laughs> um, but I, I just, you know, the next day I'd be like, oh, you know, it just, I had the wrong mix or, you know, I shouldn't have oh, mixed yeah. tequila with vodka or, you know, uh, maybe someone like slid something into my drink at the bar or, you know, just trying to come up with any excuse for my behavior. Yeah. Um, and I just continued to keep drinking that way, um, for years. And I really enjoyed having that secret. Um, I liked getting away with it and I liked, hiding it and I felt good about it and it made me happy. (laughs) It made me really excited and um, it was just like my thing. I was like, I would go chug from the closet and then get my Listerine and look in the mirror and like, it would either be like, I would gleam at myself and be like, yes, you're so cool. You're getting away with this. You're awesome. Like, good job. (laughs) Or it would be like, you motherfucker, like, you need to stop doing this. Why are you doing this to yourself? You're ruining your life. So it was like 
two different people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it just got to the point where I completely, um, I felt I was, my life was completely unmanageable and I was drinking in the morning. I was drinking from my closet before I went to work and, um, I just needed it. Um, my husband and I, and so we got married and, um, like we both still drank together and, um, we were trying to get pregnant and that's when I kind of got to the realization that I couldn't stop, um, Mm -hmm. like whatsoever. And, um, we did have to go through, um, fertility treatments, um, and even on like spending thousands of dollars on stuff that makes you ovulate and shots and blah, blah, blah. I was still just drinking a ton, um, chugging vodka like it was normal, drinking six glasses of wine a night. Um, and I was like, okay, so even if I do get pregnant, like I'm not stopping, you know, there's that like two week wait or whatever from when you think you possibly got pregnant to when you test. And I Mm -hmm. would drink that entire time. Um, and my husband, you know, my husband was like, let's, let's, we're going to have a healthy lifestyle and, um, we're going to quit drink. Like he quit drinking. He didn't know that I was still doing like shooters and stuff. Um, and so that's when I really was like, holy shit, I can't even stop for a kid. You know, I can't even, mm-hmm. I've always wanted kids and I can't, um, I was like terrified to get pregnant, even though that's all I wanted. So it was a really terrible, terrible time. Um, because I have always wanted children and he's always wanted children and we were doing fertility treatments and, it was just, uh, it was a mess because <laughs> um, I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And um, so in the midst of all of that is kind of when everything fell apart. And um, I just realized that I needed, if I wanted the family life and, you know, everything that I would need to quit because, there was no way I was going to get it otherwise, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of, I mean, there were, so we tried um, to get pregnant for almost three years and about a year and a half of it, I was drinking. Mm. And then I went to rehab and then there was the rehab stay. And that was my last drink was the January 12th. Um, and so then we still had, um, I kind of wanted to see what my body did once I quit drinking and um, all that. But yeah, so that's kind of like the nutshell of my story. Um, I'm sure you have tons of questions, but um, there wasn't like one certain thing that led me to get sober. It was just, you know, Every, everything just 
crashed down on me pretty much. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we definitely have some questions. Any, would anybody like to go first? I think from now on, instead just. of asking if anyone wants to go first, you should just go first. Why? That's uh, I, I'm not. I'm not that rude, Eric. I, I'm, I, I'm giving you the right right now. To I would just, love for you to go first. Yeah, oh, just God. go first. Okay. All right. Um. Uh. Okay. So you're you're right around our age, Ellen. Like I'm 33. Eric's 32. Are you 30? 32. Okay. Yeah. I was like, all right. I, I remember this time. Carly's 28. <laughs> yes? 29? 29. Oh, wow. You should have just taken 28. What's wrong I with you? people my age. Um, so, like, my, like we're, we're all kind of in, like, the, the D.A.R.E. program era. <laughs> and Yes. Okay, so I, I, my question was, like, were you, like, taught about drugs before taking the leap to meth <laughs> because at age 17 you're like that's a really big leap to take like i know like it's how did, how did you get from zero to meth yeah <laughs> um so it's literally just i there's this picture in my mind of me wearing a dare shirt and like doing the whole dare thing and all of the dare stuff like i remember it very specifically. Um, I am just. You just like that dude so, so that much? Yes, I am so codependent de- wow. and such a people pleaser. Um, and this is definitely something that I'm learning in, like my twelve step program and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I literally just was like tired of being the good girl I guess um and that ended real quick (laughs) yeah he was the one that I was with at the time um and that's what he was into I just was like okay let's let's do this um and yeah people that know me from high school and the know me now they're just like uh what <laughs> like, they're completely shocked when i get to this part of that part of my story it's just like i was just so into him and thought that i just i don't even know like i thought you do anything for the person you love and since mm-hmm. he was my first love i didn't know any different um so and then I feel like I just have the addictive, the addiction in me. Mm-hmm. So it just, that's what started it, you know? All right. That's fair. And for anybody who's listening out there, uh, D.A.R.E., if you don't know what the D.A.R.E. program was, it was a drug awareness program to keep kids off drugs. And I think Ellen's a prime example that it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it did not work for any of us. No, no. I know. And Dare is still I around. Always, is it still around? It is. Good lord. Yeah, yeah we have a police that officer a, coming. That is a waste of money. Is there a lion? Dare has a lion. Yeah, right? it's, yeah it's like a lion. Yeah. It's like a lion. I don't know why. It's why. Oh. 
You'd be lying if you didn't like drugs. Hey, yo. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a solid dad joke. All right. that, was a, that was a dad joke. All right. Okay. Thank you. Um, Who's next? Carly? Um, what you got? Sure. Um, so, I mean, this is just a, obviously, like, it's impacted everybody um, the past year, but um, COVID. Um, how has that yes. affected your recovery? Um, it's been really, I've only been to one, um, like live meeting or whatever, mm-hmm. um, since COVID started. And so it's actually been really interesting because, um, so I know not everyone does follow like AA and, um, the 12 step program, but that is what I do. Um, I also have jumped into like finding all these online communities, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know in like I started my um Instagram page and wanted to do it as like a recovery and infertility thing. Um, and I had no idea how big Instagram is, but um. Yeah, so I've just been doing Zoom meetings, um, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> for some, like my home group is literally a bunch of like 79-year-old people, and I love them so much. They remind me of my grandparents, but them and Zoom is like not. <laughs> That's probably hilarious. <laughs> it's it is hilarious. So there's like, um, one, one lady is really good at everything. So she has people over to her house and they all like merge around the computer. Um, and that's, that's not, that's not CDC guidelines. You're not supposed to do that. That's, that's that's completely anti the point of the zoom meeting. (laughs) They wear their masks and they, you know, sit far apart they have like two different rooms and then um all the other people like call in from their phones it's hilarious but so it's totally impacted it the you know it's taken the personal stuff away but at least we have you know video conferences Mm -hmm. and whatever we can do the zoom meetings Mm -hmm. um it's been some people have been trying to get me to go to like zoom meetings in different cities and different countries and all this stuff. And, um, I think that's really cool. I just, the time differences and I just never have time. I have twins now, obviously the, um, infertility stuff worked. We finally, um, were able to have babies, but, um, yeah, COVID has made it like, um, I feel isolated, but I also feel mm-hmm. like um, I feel like I'm meeting. I feel like all the people I'm meeting are online, and now I have all these friends that I've never met in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's just interesting to me. I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. Like you guys, I reached out to on Instagram, and um, like that's how I'm meeting people now. It's like. Yeah. There's this whole online community that I didn't know about before. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Cool. Which I think is really good. Um, it's like a different way of looking at a different way of looking at sobriety, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's completely changed the game of recovery. I think. Hmm. What about you? All Eric? right. So next question. Um, so you're coming up on four years and you mentioned that you met that first love. Uh, he was Catholic, right? The Catholic method? Yes, the Catholic mm-hmm. method. Okay. The ever elusive. So, <laughs> that'd be like a good comic book or something, the Catholic yeah. method. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just like a weird adventure. It's going to be my next punk band name, Catholic method. Oh, that's, that's a good It's a good one. That's I'm actually pretty down. good. Yeah. That you that's better than Five Car Pileup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So back to the question, though. It's a good band. Um, with like, so before you came to recovery, did you practice any faith? Ooh. Um. So I I grew up Catholic, and I went to Catholic school through fourth grade. Okay. Um. And then I in high school, um, I I went to church every week. Um. And so way I met that guy uh, I play the flute and so I played the flute at church um, and I would see everyone walking up for communion and stuff and so that's how I noticed him Um, and so I've always had Catholicism in my background Um, but I haven't been like a weekly church goer since high school I would say Okay, Um, but I have I have always had a belief in God, um, and so that made it easier for me to understand in the whole higher power thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people struggle with that, um, but I've always, I mean, I also blame Catholicism for some of my shit. So, <laughs> like, that sounds like a Catholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. fuck yourself. Um, oh, that was not shade. Come leave on. Leave us Catholics alone. <laughs> I, don't, I, I hear about the Catholic guilt, though, all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah that, no, is, that's that is 100% I mean, real. Yeah. I know my, my wife was brought up Catholic, and, you know, she always feels guilty about certain things where I'm just like... Yeah, just stop. Yeah, just, just No, it's okay. Yeah, and the phrase recovering Catholic is a real thing. Yeah. So... For it's sure. True. That's what they said. So, Alan, here's my question, know. though, is how has your spirituality and faith evolved since you've been in the rooms? Um, it's gotten stronger, I would say. So, um, it's gotten me back in touch with a higher power, I would say. And, um, I mean, there were just the years where I was drinking or using, I would, um, I would go, Every time I went to church, I would joke like, oh, why am I not up in flames or whatever? Um, But I feel like it's brought me back to, I mean, I feel like I've always had someone watching out for me. Obviously, there's been crazy things that I should not have survived or gone through. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, someone out there has been watching over me um and now i am in a better place and contact with that person or that being um so it's 
it's made me a lot more spiritual and um, close with my spiritual guides, I guess. All right. Um, okay. Uh, hmm, where am I going to go? Uh, all right. So you mentioned when, uh, like, you were sort of going to AA for the guy that, and you didn't really think you you had uh, a problem. You you sort of said what, what I've right. what I've heard from so many people, and like I thought as well. Um, and it's like the vision of what an addict is. And you said, well, like, I'm not homeless. I'm not living on the street, blah, blah, blah. So like, why do you think like the vision of what an addict is, is some sort of like derelict homeless person? Like, why is that? I know. And it's, I don't know if it's, um, you know, movies or society and everything just makes us think that way. But, um, I don't know. I just feel like at, at that time in my life, I felt like I was better than everyone that was sitting at that table with me. Um, and because I felt like I didn't have an issue. Um, but I don't know where that stereotype comes from. I mean, you. I, it sounds like you guys think there's a stereotype. I mean, don't you think there's a stereotype of what an alcoholic is? I mean, um, n- not really, because it, it addiction crosses so many uh, borders I, and racial boundaries and, and, and social status. Like, it, it doesn't really matter. So there really is no stereotype. But for some reason, we all have this idea that it's like... I don't know if there was just, it's really a stereotype, but a stigma. Like for sure. Oh yeah, but like yeah, yeah. There we go. And it's just not portrayed as normal. Like we're all, as far as I'm concerned, fairly normal individuals. And we, if we told people now, like, oh yeah, we're recovering addicts, they'd probably look at us weird and be like, "What? You're so you look so put together and everything." So it's it is a it is a social thing. It is. And, but I just, I don't, I guess I don't know where like it comes from. It just seems like society as a whole thinks of addicts or alcoholics in a certain way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I wasn't really like expecting you to have like a glorious answer. Like I just wanted to, I've asked that to several people because it's weird to me and I just like to hear everybody's opinion because like, it, it it's it's a common thing that I hear. It's just that oh, I, I wasn't homeless, and a lot, a lot of us. I used it as an excuse for a long time to keep using. I was like, well, yeah. well I'm not fucking homeless. I have my teeth. I'm fine. Well, yeah, so, for me, right. it was I didn't yeah. lose my job. Like I still have a house. Like I'm I'm, yeah. I'm functioning in society. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. So we're not an addict. Hmm. Exactly. I know. Eric's not an addict. He's um, he's just perfect. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> she knows. There yeah. you go. Hey, I like the reinforcement, you know? <laughs> I'm glad you're so humble, Eric. All right, what do you got, Carly? Um, So I know David said it before, like, him being, like, 33 and not having, like, could have even thought about, like, writing a memoir. So I was just curious as to, like, what has inspired you to want to write your memoir? Um, I just... 
I've always wanted to help people. So like when I went to college, um, I at first wanted to do like psychology and be a psychologist or a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then I was like high all the time and like reading these books, like, Oh shit, I have all of these problems. I don't want to look at myself and learn all these Mm -hmm. things. (laughs) So I've just always had a, um, yearning to help people, I guess. And so I feel like, um, I can write this, now and like I've been through you know drug addiction alcoholism and then infertility I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a few people that may relate to all of those things Mm -hmm. um and I just want to be a person that can help anyone going through it or who's been through it or you know a family member of someone going through it I just I just want to help is basically what I'm doing. Um, so by writing it, I want to get, you know, it out there more, um, like make it known that it's like anyone can have this. Um, because like you said, it's like everything was totally fine. And then Mm -hmm. boom, I'm like a meth head. Like, (laughs) um, I just, I just want to be, there for other people going yeah. through it. so kind of letting people know like they're not going through it alone like this is this is something real that happens and like being able to almost normalize it for somebody else exactly yeah awesome all right so but you know oh go ahead go ahead Ellen. i was just gonna say um i can always i'll just start my next memoir when I'm 60, you know, I'll do like a memoir every 30 years or something. Memoir 2.0. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. So my uh, last question here um, is, so recovery, I feel like, you know, recovery uh, is, you know, a journey. And, when people kind of think it's this finite thing, we kind of lose track of the progression that we've made since we came here and how the evolution of what recovery means from day one to, you know, the current day. So how would you describe kind of your evolution in recovery? And then secondarily, what does recovery mean to you today? Got it. Okay. That's a lot all in one thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I feel like I've grown a ton in recovery. I feel like, um, honestly, the 12 step program, I think everybody in the world should do <laughs> like whether they're an addict or not, like it's a great way to look at yourself and to, um, learn more about yourself and just grow um I think personally but um I've learned a lot about obviously you know I used to just do everything for boys um I was a people pleaser codependent all those things um so I've been learning my part in everything um, which is a huge thing because I would just place the blame on everyone else. Um, 
and I've been able to do it. I mean, recovery, you have to actually feel all your feelings, which really fucking sucks. Um, yeah. But mm. it, it's good to learn about yourself, I guess. Um, and it just feels like I'm becoming more mature um, mm-hmm. as a person. And I've been able to, you know, deal with things that I never thought I would be able to deal with um, without having a drink. Um, And I'm able to just do things that I used to have to have like six shots of vodka in order to even consider doing them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I feel like... the journey is taking me to um, places that I would never get to if I were still drinking, obviously. But um, so what recovery means to me, it's just like, to me, it's my life because I wouldn't have my kids um, if I didn't get sober. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a twin mom. I have Noah and Bella. Um and like I had to be sober in order to have them, you know, I don't know. It's just like everything I have now, I wouldn't if I were still drinking mm-hmm. or using. Yeah. All right. All right. I think uh, I got one final question for you. Uh, you talked a little bit about you, you you just really stealthily glazed over it really s- subtly. I like that. Um, you talked about sort of the, uh, being a codependent, and this is normally Eric's question, so I'm stealing it from him. That's fine. Maybe I was giving it to you. <laughs> don't 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 try and Jedi mind trick me, you motherfucker. God, I hate you. We need to go to couples counseling. Um, but no. Uh, so in recovery, how have you have you addressed uh, you, like your codependency at all? And uh, like, how have you gone about that? And what um, how do you how do you define a healthy relationship today? And uh, and I, I would say that includes a healthy relationship with yourself, others and your higher power. Right. Okay. So, um, I have addressed it. I still feel, um, it's hard for me, um, to not try to be a people pleaser all the time. And so it's like a daily struggle for me. Um, I still struggle with it and I still always am more worried about everyone else than myself. Um, and it's just something that I have to remind myself every day um, that, you know, I don't need to change who I am to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to be myself. Absolutely. And it, it's like a daily reminder. Um, as far as um, just uh, being with I guess I'm just learning so much about myself um, that I feel that I'm better 
in relationships. Um, I'm not, you know, as I just used to be blaming everyone and everyone was at fault and I never did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and now, now I can actually see where I'm at fault and apologize and, you know, go from there. So it's like, instead of having like an angry relationship, I can say, Oh, I'm sorry for doing that. That was my bad. Let's move on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just good to be able to see everything a little bit clearly more clear. More. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Um, without the haze of alcohol. Um, because it would just make me angry and, um, you know, everyone else was the problem, not me. Hmm. All right. Do you have any further questions? All right. She gave me the finger, so I think that is about time. Yeah. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest, Ellen, for joining us this evening. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, and Ellen, where can our guest uh, find more information about you? So I am on Instagram as it's Ellen Elizabeth. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter with the same name. Um, uh, but I do the most on Instagram right now. So it's Ellen Elizabeth is where you can find me and you can find my link tree and everything in there i'm working on getting my website put up but it's not quite ready yet Mm -hmm. so that will be coming um and when that's ready it's going to also be it's ellenelizabeth.com awesome yeah easy enough yeah nice and easy (laughs) all right Well, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. And now I'm going to turn it over to Eric. So here at Podcast Recovery, um, we are fully self-supporting and we need your help to keep the mics turned on. So you can join our Patreon and become a member of the home group or throw some money in the digital basket on our Um, Also, please like, subscribe, share, follow, comment, and do everything that you can do on these social media sites, um, such as YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever else you can find podcast recovery. Yeah, and uh, for more information about Eric, Carly, Allie, and myself, go to podcastrecovery.com. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean. Nailed it.